This is the Australian Hunting Podcast, hunting, shooting and fishing radio on the AHP Digital Radio Network. Visit us at australianhuntingpodcast.com.au. Sit back, relax and enjoy. Here's the host of the show, Jason Selms. Welcome back to the Australian Hunting Podcast, hunting, shooting and fishing radio here on the AHP Digital Radio Network. Thanks for joining me. Man, there is a lot to talk about. Uh, before we get on to our guest, Amanda Valance, just letting you guys know, uh, at the time I did this podcast, Amanda was working for TSA, which is a uh, importing company here in New South Wales, and she no longer uh, works for TSA. But I thought it was still good to get a bit of an idea about products. Some basic questions about the life of a sales rep being one of the first female sales reps uh, in Australia. So that's certainly to be a good show. And I've had a lot of people message me about the straight shooting, um, both on Facebook, Instagram, and via email. Yes, absolutely, guys, we are going to be doing it. There's heaps to talk about. Uh, we're probably Gonna, it's probably going to be a decently long show. There's so much to talk about. It's just unbelievable what's happening in the shooting community. Uh, since I've probably come back from holidays, a lot of you guys know I went down to Riverina in November. It was a fun time. I then went to Queensland over the Christmas period to visit my family, did a bit of shooting, uh, and then I went on to Malakuta in for mo- end of December for most of January and got caught up in the uh, Malakuta fires, which was, man, that's something I don't want to go through again, that's for sure. And the you know, the pretty much decimated place of Malakuta. I thought there's probably 60 homes that were lost. Now there's over 120. And I'm glad we didn't lose anything. My mate didn't lose his holiday house, but uh, it's going to take a long time for Malakuta to recover. Made a couple of videos so far on my YouTube channel under my name, Jason Selms. If you've got any ideas, I'm thinking about changing the name of my personal YouTube account from just my name to something shooting, but I already have the Australian Hunting Podcast YouTube channel, which I upload the podcast to. So I'm not 100% sure what I should call it. So if you've got any ideas, email me at australianhuntingpodcast at gmail.com. And of course, if you want to support us on Patreon, that'd be greatly appreciated. That keeps the show running. In March of this year, we'll be running for nine years, the longest running hunting, shooting and fishing podcast in Australia. And uh, I interview people from everywhere, from overseas to Australia, uh, hunters, shooters, fishermen. Uh, I, hope, I hope you like the content of recent. I've been getting a lot of emails from a lot of people uh, saying they're really enjoying the show. They're liking all the content that's coming out. So that's greatly appreciated. And if you're, you're on Patreon uh, and you've got any ideas about who you want me to interview, you've got any people that you want me to you know, get in contact with, please let me know. Send me an email because, of course, I want to get the people on the show that you guys want to hear from. So the straight shooting should probably come out. We haven't recorded it yet, but uh, that'll probably be the next one, either episode 214 uh, or at worst episode 215 i know you guys have been hanging out for it there is lots to talk about both good and bad unfortunately but uh, one thing i've really been enjoying guys is just talking a lot more about hunting and shooting leaving the politics behind a little bit yes i know a lot of you guys will be hearing me say that and are disappointed by that it is one of our top rating shows here on the program but you know sometimes even guys even me even i get uh you know petered out with having to talk about politics all the time especially when nothing really gets achieved in this country you know we haven't had any changes to gun laws. I mean, I've been doing this show, like I just said, for well over nine years now, and we pretty much had not one single change to the NFA, gun ban after gun ban after gun ban, and I don't know what more else to say. I mean, are we ever going to get changes in this country? I'd like to think so, but 
as you can understand, it's not looking very good. And we've pretty much got no one fighting for us that actually wants to change any gun laws in this country. Uh, very, very, very sad state of affairs, unfortunately. I pretty much made a decision that, you know, I mean, never say never, guys, but uh, what I'm thinking about doing is just really giving that politics a break, as in anyone that wants to come onto the show, I'm more than happy to give them a small segment, say during straight shooting, uh, where me and Mario chat to them, maybe 10 to 15 minutes if they want to come on the show to discuss their party. But I'm not really going to be dedicating full shows to political parties anymore. Uh, political uh, People who have ambitions to become a politician, that's fine. I'm happy to give them 10, yeah, 10 minutes on straight shooting, but I'm not going to be doing full shows anymore. Uh, I mean, never say never, but unless something pops up that may interest me to uh, wanting to do a longer form content, yeah, I'm pretty much going to be avoiding most politicians, uh, to be honest, from most parties, because like I just said previously, they don't really achieve anything. There's no point bringing you this content because nothing ever gets achieved. Sad but true, unfortunately, guys. Sad but true. So going forward, if they want to be on the show, it's going to be a small segment during the straight shooting, uh, and that's all I can really guarantee going forward because I just don't think we're really achieving what we should be achieving and constantly putting my time aside and your guys' time aside to hear people promise the world but never delivering. I can't keep doing that anymore, and um, I'm sure you guys can understand where I'm coming from, so we'll we'll keep it part of straight shooting. And I want to get a few more people uh, calling in during straight shooting, so if you have a voicemail, go to australianhuntingpodcast.com.au, and on the right-hand side, you'll see the uh, leave voicemail icon. Uh, it's on the right-hand side. It's near the scroll bar. And it says send voicemail. Uh, I think it's about 90 seconds, so if you've got a question or something you want to put onto the show, uh, we're happy to play your content, so please send in your your voicemails. We really, really do want to hear from you. It's great when people write in. Uh, anyone listening to the show that might have emailed me that I haven't responded to, especially if it's even if it's been a couple of months and it's four straight shooting, don't worry, guys. We will be discussing it on the show, so don't worry about that. Uh, I'm going to go through this weekend and start getting back to people, but we are going to talk about it on the show. So on today's show, I'm actually talking to Amanda Valance. Uh, just to let you guys know, she was when I was up in Queensland, she was working for TSA, which is a company here in New South Wales. Uh, but unfortunately, she's moved on from TSA, but I thought the information was absolutely still uh, worthwhile putting to air because we had an absolutely great conversation with her and her partner Tom uh, from Under Resistance Armory. Uh, He was a great guy. I did, if you go back to episode 212, you can listen to the uh, Under Resistance Armory gunsmith Tom Tolley. Very enjoyable. Got quite a number of emails about that saying they enjoyed that one as well. And uh, Tom and Amanda are partners. And uh, we then did a second podcast uh, talking about the life of a female sales rep. Uh, What's it like being female in the gun industry? And I thought it's a really good show for the fact that if women are wanting to get into the sport, they're wanting to get into gun sales, they're wanting to get into a gun shop, um, then we can hear about it and a first-hand experience from a woman that's been able to do that. And I thought it was fantastic. So while a lot of this podcast might be centered around uh, TSA, the importer, and what types of items they bring in, it's still very worthwhile information on any woman wanting to get into uh, this type of industry and arena. I think it's great. So you can hear it direct uh, from a woman in the industry. So I hope you guys... Uh, enjoy the show. So we're going to bring Amanda Valance onto the show. You'll listen to Australia's number one hunting, shooting and fishing podcast. So 
All right, guys, welcome back to the show. Thanks for joining me. Great to have you with us. We're here at Under Resistance Armory, and we just did a previous podcast with Tom Tolley regarding everything gunsmith. So now we've got Amanda Valance from TSA. Hi, thank, guys. Thank you for joining me. <laughs> thank you for having me. Excellent. All right. How did you get into shooting sports? We just had a bit of a chat just off the air, so I want to find out a bit about yourself. Yeah, um, I randomly got into this industry um, previous to working in a gun shop. I was a swim teacher um, and then by chance uh, a gun shop that I would drive past had a position open, went in, had a chat with the boss. A couple of weeks later I started working there. Tell us about working at a gun shop. I don't think I've ever interviewed anyone that's either been part of a gun shop, worked at a gun shop. What's it like working at a gun shop and what do you think you can learn from working at a gun shop? Do you think it was a valuable experience? It was definitely valuable. Um, It's not a retail position like anything else. Um, You're dealing with so many different products that not many people get the chance to experience or look at, touch, shoot, that sort of stuff. So it's... um, it's mind blowing. So, what was the what things you just sell guns, your equipment? You were just working the counter and yeah, so, customers coming in. Yeah, so uh, working behind the counter, but actually on the floor selling as well. So, um, not having much to do with the industry beforehand, there was a lot of on the spot learning. So, someone would come in asking a question about handguns, and the next minute rifles, and then reloading. So. There's a lot of very fast-paced learning going on. And I'm sure I'd know the one you worked at. We won't mention it anyway, but obviously very busy as well. People coming in and wanting to buy lots of different things, having to provide advice. That would have been interesting too. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it was great being able to deal with the customers and just try and help them as much as possible at the same time learning yourself. The new Zeiss Conquest V4 line of high-performance rifle scopes combines tried-and-true Zeiss optics with a rugged and functional design, providing high-definition glass. Enhanced with T-Star and low-to-tech protective lens coatings produces 90% to the eye-light transmission. This means excellent low-light performance and resolution across the entire magnification range. Zeiss Conquest V4 rifle scopes were designed as a lightweight, high-performance scope for demanding hunting and shooting applications. Visit O. USAAustralia.com.au to find your local dealer. Zeiss, we make it visible. So, what age were you when you first got to shoot a gun? Um, I was 20 the first time I shot a gun. And what was it? Um, it was a Savage uh, BA-110. Nice. So you got into, I guess, started working at a gun shop. Was that you? Did you own guns before working in the gun shop? No. Um. A few years before working in a gun shop, I did actually own a few. And so you obviously started getting into the shooting sports. Was it when you bought your first gun? What was it? And why did you buy that particular firearm? Um, bought my first one to go rabbit shooting. Really? What, what was it? Anything in particular? What was it? Um, Do you remember what it was? Or? Yeah, yeah. I've actually still got it today. It's a Browning T-Bolt 22. Browning T-Bolt 22. And so what do you, when you obviously started going out shooting, what was it mainly just for target shooting at first? Was it to go hunting? Or what um, was it? The very first time was actually on a date. We went shooting and it was at a rifle range. Um, and then nearly every time after that for the first few years was out hunting. So did you, have you, since then, have you gotten anything to do with, oh, we just spoke about hunting as well, but any disciplines of target shooting no you just like to just go there have a target shoot have a bit of fun and 
leave or you've got yourself into competitions or anything like that? No, no competitions. Um, I don't have too much spare time at the moment. So a lot of it is just for, just for fun and going out hunting. All right. So what's your favourite rifle, pistol, shotgun, whatever it may be, what's your favourite one that you own? It's going to be a little bit biased. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be a Weatherby and it'll be a 257 Weatherby uh, a Mark V. So since you've got a firearm or several firearms and you've gotten into hunting and shooting, what have you been able to get out and hunt? A lot of women, you know, not, it's not necessarily a huge women's sport. Some women don't even like hunting at all, but it's great that you've gotten into it. So what have you been able to hunt? Who have you gone out with? Has it been exciting? And what game have you taken out in the field? Um, so a lot of the time at the moment I'm out hunting with uh, my customers, so shop owners, shop managers. Um, they usually have properties that we can go shoot on to get rid of pests. So a lot of the time it is literally just pest eradication. Um, so you're talking about uh, foxes, dingoes, um, kangaroos, pigs, that sort of stuff. Um, out west, there's other places that have camels and horses, but I haven't yet been able to go out there. Well, if you had to pick some game either you have shot or haven't shot or combination of both, what's something you'd like to hunt in the future or what's your number one favourite game to hunt that you've got an opportunity to hunt? Uh, at the moment, pigs. Um, going up north uh, towards Croydon, uh, Charters Towers, sort of up north. Um, it's just been an amazing amazing experience to be able to actually see the – not amazing to see the actual devastation, but being able to understand how much damage they can do to properties and actually be able to help them. Rifles, pistols or shotguns? I think I've seen some photos of you four shooting pistols. Yeah. Which one would you pick as your favourite, rifles, uh, pistols or shotguns? Rifles, because I'm quite into hunting at the moment. Really? <laughs> what, prefer hunting over target shooting? That's correct, yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. Let's talk about, I want to go into TSA. So yep. they obviously you know, bring products into Australia for sale to sell on to people like me. Um, what do they bring in? What are they? What's well, about the company first, just in general? Yeah, so TSA has been around uh, for quite a number of years. Uh, they've got a background in optics, so they've always had a vested interest in getting the best optics out into the market. Um, at the moment, we're doing Zero Tech, which is uh, the latest scope brand to hit the market. Um, as well as scopes, we do rifles and accessories and ammunition. So. Any ones in particular? Can you rattle off some brands of uh, ones you bring? It's obviously Weathery Rifles. Yeah. You're doing Zero Tech Scopes. That's correct, what, yes. are, what other products do you bring um, in? So we bring in um, BSA Air Rifles, um, Fiocchi Ammunition, uh, Otis Cleaning Gear, Howard Lights, Walkers, GSM, uh, Nightcore Torches, all the Nightcore accessories, uh, Trail Cams, and the list goes on. What's the most... Uh, popular okay what's the best selling one of the best selling items that tsa would bring in that seems to be one of the most popular items you guys uh, sell to um, the community there's a few at the moment uh the most popular ones i'll rattle off a few uh zero tech uh warn and nightcore howard lights would be the most popular ones that we've got looking for outdoor equipment for your next adventure at aussie outdoor gear you can find cooking equipment camo clothing for kids backpacks camo accessories and much more we cater for your hunting fishing camping hiking and other outdoor pursuits with our unique product range aussieoutdoorgear.com.au quality gear at affordable prices so what's the day in the life of a tsa rep in queensland going around talking to 
you know, the gun shops, the dealers, what's it like? People often want to get into this sort of industry and they want to know what a day in the like of uh, a rep for TSA is. Yeah, it's definitely an industry that people want to get involved with. It's something that not many people can experience. Um, I can definitely see the fascination with it uh, in terms of being on this side of it. It's just like any other job. You've got to be able to build up good relationships with customers, look after their needs. Uh, The biggest thing that I've noticed um, and what I'm trying to do more of is actually try and work in the shop for a couple of days to work out how things work because every shop's going to be different and then it's trying to cater to those needs. So work out when products come in, um, how their systems work, how their computers work, um, and then just be able to support them in that way. Interesting question I got now, maybe a bit, uh, what's the word I'm thinking of? can't think of it right now. I just want to make sure. I want to talk about like if you if you have really good products, and they've got really great names. And I don't want to say yeah, discount sales reps or anything along that. How difficult is it to send a product that's really popular to sell or a product that's up and coming and emerging, for example, like Zero Tech Scopes, for an example, and the work related to a product that has a really high reputable name and a product maybe that's either either may not have as a good a name or is very brand new to the market? Yeah. I mean, there, there is a huge difference. There are brands that will sell themselves that essentially take no work to sell apart from letting them know that they're running low, for instance. Um, and then there are, there's the other hand to that. There's the, the brand new products or the products that are different that the companies themselves can't afford to do much advertising with. And then basically TSA will struggle to advertise them because there's just not that content out there. That's a big challenge to try and get that into a shop. So that's where the relationships help, basically trying to help educate the end users about the product. So then they're looking for that product and then it's easier to get it into the shop. Does that you brought up something very interesting there, like advertising budgets and stuff? Well, does that make a difference on you think sales at the end of the day compared to say a company that may have more money that may be more popular, being able to sell their products? Absolutely, it makes a huge difference. Just being able to essentially the whole the whole end game is to have the end users seeking that product and wanting it, going into a shop asking for it, whether it's in stock or not, whether it's they've even contemplated getting it in. If there's no advertising for it the shops aren't going to be interested in stocking it because it's going to take up space on their shelf, something that they know will sell because there's the advertising there. The people want that product. And you do a lot of travelling, obviously, as well with being the Queensland rep. Do you do other parts of any other part states? or? Yes, I look after North New South Wales all the way up the coast and select uh, shops over Australia. So there's a lot of travelling involved going to all the different shops in Queensland as well. I can imagine... That's interesting, having to stay in places and yep. you know meet new people and go to different gun shops from small ones to big ones to medium ones. Yeah. Um, it was a bit confronting to start with, just something that was so new and had no idea what to expect. Um, but it has been nothing but joy ever since I started. Here's an interesting question. <laughs> what could you change about the job if you could change about you know sales rep work and working in the firearms industry? Is there anything that you would – let's talk about you – know, let's go to the positives first. Mm. What are the positives about working in the industry? Uh, every day is different. So there's not one day that's the same as the last. Uh, what about any negatives within the industry, say, without you know getting anyone in trouble or anything oh, like no, that? No. You know? <laughs> um, the only negatives would be – uh, trying to deal with shop to shop 
because every shop has different systems. Some are electronic, some can keep track of their products, other shops can't. So it's the the negative side there is just trying to comprehend what every shop needs and what kind of support that they need. So you were also the first female gun rep. I can't say salesman, saleswoman. <laughs> Salesperson, either way. Salesperson. I'm not going to be offended. Yeah, no, we don't be PC these days. In the country, so what was that like? I mean, dealing with um, people in the industry, dealers, gun shops, whatever it may be, and, and was that an interesting progression? Yeah, it was definitely uh, a different experience. Um, also contemplating the fact that I was going to be the first female rep in such a male-dominated industry um, was a little bit daunting. Uh, just sort of not knowing how people were going to take me, whether they were going to take me seriously or whether they were just going to go, what what the hell's going on? Um, but in saying that, um, I think I've just just ticked over a year and I haven't had any negativity so far. What, none whatsoever? No issues at all? Anything that would... Yeah, we don't have to mention names, no, obviously. No, no, nothing at all, no? Not, not in terms of um, being a female rep. There, there's obviously been issues um, with products, with gained products, lost products. There's always going to be issues there, um, but not in terms of anything personal. What I was going to ask you too, there's obviously a lot of different products that come into the country. You know, sometimes they switch from one importer to, to another importer. What's the relationship like between, I guess, different importers that often work together? I can imagine sometimes there would be excitement amongst the importers when a product goes to another company and then you pick up an, a product from another company as well. So how does that generally work and what's that sort of experience like? Yeah, so it's, um, it's definitely uh, an odd experience to go through uh, losing and gaining products, um, something that people don't uh, realise is it doesn't just simply swap within Australia from supplier to a supplier. There's generally a company in America or a different company that has full control over multiple brands and they may decide to switch. So it's not necessarily just within Australia. It's a, a switch from the exporting supplier in, in another country. I'm sure that's interesting, especially when it comes down to either sometimes gaining some really, really good brands and quality brands and sometimes losing quality brands to another company and how that affects businesses and positions within the company as well and how to combat that as well. Yeah, so uh, every time there's a change, it, it affects uh, every business. And again, losing or gaining uh, products. Um, gaining a product it's, um, is very, it's obviously a very exciting That's time. It's always the best thing. It is obviously the best thing. <laughs> when not, not so when you lose some. Not so when you lose them. Um, but obviously when you lose something, there becomes space for something new to come in. So it's, it's always just trying to keep positive. And that probably brings us on to our next discussion topic as well. Australian made or the Zero Tech, if mm-hmm. I'm correct in saying that, with another product brought to the company. So if I've got that wrong, tell me about the product anyway. Yeah, yeah. so uh, Zero Tech, it is an Australian owned company. Um, like many things, uh, unfortunately, we couldn't get them made in Australia. There was just no facilities to have them made in Australia, so they are made overseas. So I want to talk about some of the uh, models within the Zero Tech range. So tell us about some of the models people can, you know, if they want to go hunting, maybe they want to do a bit of long-range shooting, what can they mm-hmm. be offer under Zero Tech? Yeah, so there's a few different models within Zero Tech. I'll just go through the names briefly. Uh, so Vengeance is the first one, which is more of an entry level. Um, it has the uh, BD. DC 
uh, turrets and reticles in it. A lot of people are already used to seeing them. Uh, then we go up to the Thrive, which is, again, more of an entry level. They come in a 3 to 12 um, and a 4 to 16 um, and then we move on into the Thrive HD, which is a better quality glass, better quality coating. And they go into the 2.5 to 15 um, by 50 and the 6 to 24 by 50 with a different reticle. It's the PHR reticle um, and they can come illuminated, non-illuminated for hunting purposes. So a lot of people do like illuminated for hunting these days. What is the general purpose for these types of scopes? What market is TSA or Anzerotech going for in regards to those particular brands? More hunting? Is it long range shooting? Trying to cover all bases? We are trying to cover all bases. Um, we've also got uh, models up again, which are the Trace and the Trace Advanced, which are for more long range shooters. And the Trace Advanced is their first focal plane. So we're trying to cater to, to each each market. So we've got the entry level. We've got the the rim fire. We've got entry center fire, uh, hunting, and a bit of long range shooting. Are they looking at anything else in the future? Obviously, you've probably been at, at meetings and uh, they're having a chat about this particular product. So are they coming out with any more uh, specific models within the range or they're just trying to see how these goes? And how has the initial uh, acceptance from the shooting community been and how's the sales going? Yeah, the initial acceptance has been amazing. Uh, again, with a new product, it's always hard to gauge how people will accept it. We've pumped in uh, a lot into advertising and trying to get it out there. And we're already getting a lot of positive feedback from shooters um, congratulating us on the, the quality of ZeroTech. Um, so we'll obviously just wait and see. Uh, it, it, is a, it is a new brand for everyone. So ZeroTech itself is a relatively new brand. Um, we will always be expanding in terms of models, we'll have to wait and see. If people are wanting to buy them, are they readily available in the gun shops? Are they selling out? Is there, is there a wait on to buy them? And is there more coming in to the yeah. country? So we've just had a shipment uh, land quite recently. So a lot of shops uh, will be having more in stock. Uh, a lot of the uh, previous orders that shops received sold out very quickly. So it's always good to see. So going on from Scopes too, I want to talk about another product that TSA brings in, which is Warn products. That's correct. Tell yes. us about those because I've got a set just sitting over there, which I'm probably not going to be using tomorrow, unfortunately, <laughs> because I've uh, got a Picatinny rail there. But what sort of products do they bring in and uh, what sort of quality can we expect of those? I've always, had, I've always had good things to say about them and never had any issues with Warn rings and quite popular amongst the community. Yeah, that's correct. So a lot of shops um, are getting a lot of support for Warn. Um, trying to get the, the name out there a bit more. They are phenomenal quality. Um, we bring everything from two-piece bases, full-length rails to rings, um, either the permanently attached or the uh, quick-release ones. With the worn rings, are they uh, steel, alloy? What are they What are they made out of, worn rings? Uh, so worn rings are made of steel. Is that somehow, I think, is, it, is, it, is that better than alloy? Much is better. Much better? Much yeah. better quality. You will find that they are a little bit heavier, um, but far, far better quality. Is there anything you guys are bringing in for the future? Like any, any anything exciting happening? I mean, anything you can let us know maybe that's coming into uh, the market or any, anything you think of offhand? Warren will be releasing a bipod, which is pretty exciting. So that'll be coming out early this, this coming year. Not from any other thing, not just from Warren, anything that you drop on us right here at AHP oh. and say we've got something coming, not even if it's, you know, not something specific, but... Uh, definitely expect to see big things from Zero Tech next year. 
And it's interesting, you also, what about, which is very important for spotlighters too, being torches and those mm. types of things as well. So explain the torches. I mean, technology's come a long way with them. I mean, I don't know if it's even LED or Cree even a new thing now. Maybe, yeah. <laughs> maybe we've gone past that now. So, you know, into the new technology past that. But um, having good uh, light, especially when spotlighting. Yes. To, you know, see foxes, cats, and you know, it could be anything really, so. Yeah, absolutely. So, so uh, we we only deal with Nightcore at the moment. So, we we, we used to do spotlights uh, with Night Prowler, but we're finding that a lot of the time, when you attach a Nightcore to your gun, it is more effective than a spotlight anyway. Their torches are far brighter, they go a lot further, and they last longer than having a battery spotlight. And what about? Aaron's always talking to me from behind me as well about Weatherby rifles. So mm. tell us a bit about them and what sort of models they, they bring in. Do they bring in light barrels, heavy barrels, anything for, you know, you mean female from female shooters or anything as well? Um, tell us a bit more about the Weatherby rifles. Yeah, so the Weatherby uh, have a fair few different models. Uh, they go from Vanguards up to Mark 5s. Um, within that, they do sporters, uh, heavy barrels, but like you just pointed out, they do actually do guns for women. So they do the Vanguard Camilla and the Mark V Camilla. So the Camilla was designed by female shooters for female shooters. So the way that the stock is shaped is designed to ergonomically fit a woman's chest. So it is angled, it is shorter, um, everything is just that little bit smaller on it. Uh, make it perfectly designed for a woman. And what about different price ranges in regards to those rifles as well? So we have the sort of, you know, we just say not say lower end, but obviously the more economical solution for some people that are looking for that. And what about the more higher end, expensive, uh, whether it be rifles? Yeah, so you've got the entry entry level ones, the the Vanguards. I wouldn't say entry level, but for a Weatherby, they're, they're entry level. So they recommended retailers around sort of $900 for a Vanguard and then they go up from there. So Mark 5s you'd be looking at paying around about 3 grand upwards. Um, with that um, the the new models coming out with the Mark 5s have complete upgraded triggers, different barrels, uh, carbon fiber. There's a whole heap of new changes to go with that. And if people are coming to want to buy Weatherby for an example, are they covering all the bases with calibers? Is it niche calibers? Is there are they providing enough range of calibers for people to buy? Yes, yeah, so um, they are moving more towards that. The Vanguards are all standard calibers. You can get some Weatherby calibers in that. Um, in the Mark Fives, uh, a lot of the time it is Weatherby cartridges, but they are moving towards standard calibers as well. Um, within that, they have recently designed a new caliber as well. It's a 6.5 RPM. The 6.5 RPM is going to be the new Weatherby caliber. It stands for Rebated Precision Magnum. The initial ballistic are proving to be about 400 feet per second faster. Uh, obviously, once we get them here and we can test them out and try uh, different uh, weights, different powders, we'll see how it happens. Renowned for their strength, reliability and attention to detail, Moroku shotguns are the perfect example of what a sporting shotgun should be. Moroku have been producing quality products for over a century and sold in Australia since 1963. Each Moroku shotgun is crafted with precision, from the MK Trap and sporting models to the all-round best-selling field shotgun, the MK70. Visit morokushotguns.com.au for more details and stockists. Tell us about the Magpul products too. I know they're quite popular. I was looking at 
uh, a few the other day when I was at a gun shop. So what does Magpul bring in and what sort of products can uh, people buy from Magpul? Yeah, so Magpul bring in uh, a huge amount of products. Um, some products we can't get simply because they suit semi-autos. Um, we can get in accessories such as like slings, uh, magazines, chassis, um, DACA pouches, gloves, that sort of thing. And from what I hear, you're building a bit of a custom rifle. That's correct. Tell us about that. That sounds exciting. Yeah, it's very exciting. Uh, it's been a long time in the making. Um, it'll be a 260 essentially in a Remington 700 platform. <laughs> 260 260 from behind the guys are here from behind hang on the, yeah. the guys are here from behind and Aaron's not too happy about this situation why did you actually interesting why did you choose that caliber um, I wanted to get into long range shooting and a lot of people that I spoke to I currently had a 308 uh, platform and it it just wasn't cutting it. So a lot of people were like, look at your ballistics. And then I eventually came to the conclusion of a 260. This is, however, before the 6.5 RPM was introduced. So we'll see if I can make one comparable. What about when people were talking about other 6.5s? You might have had the 6.5 by 55, 6.5 mm. Creedmoor, for an example. Why didn't you go with those specific covers? Was it because of advice from other people or? Mainly to do with advice. A lot of the people were um, also on the 260 train. They provided a lot of information saying that it was just far better. And what about any purchases coming up for yourself? Are you planning other than the custom rifle? Is there anything else that you'd like to purchase or you got your eye on, whether it's accessories, firearms, you know, anything you've got um, your eye on? I do have a little project at the moment uh, that Under Resistance is working on. Um, I purchased a Shiapa Rhino and it is currently being decked out. Uh, not exactly like the Harley Quinn gun, um, but an alternative to it. So you just have to wait and see. We're mentioning it just over here. Mm. Tell us about this one on the table. Guys, you can't see it. I might post it up uh, <laughs> when we finish. I might get a few photos for the Instagram and Facebook page. But tell us about this gun just on the table here. Explain it because, you know, this is an audio podcast, yeah. so people may not be able to know what it is. Give them a bit of an idea so they can sort of visualise it. Yeah. So if uh, anyone has watched the movie Suicide Squad, you'll notice the iconic gun that she uses um, and the way it's decked out. Now, this isn't decked out in the same way. This is decked out as if the gun was a cosplay character, essentially. So it's decked out in in her prison attire. So down the side of it is sight bravo detainee and then burn after use on the cylinder, which was written across her chest. So it's a little bit um, cosplay nerdish, but I love it. This particular one is in 357. And that looks on it looks like it's been seracoded and guys it's orange with looks like a white barrel and Yes, it's got white highlights on it. So the sights are white, the barrel's white and the trigger's white. Nice. As well as the hammer as well. So it's going to look pretty cool. All right. Now, previously on a national stage, you were representing Queensland for Miss Universe Australia. That's correct. So how on it? That was a few years ago now. How did you – how is that different from working in the firearms industry? I'm sure that's uh, polar opposites in a way. It is definitely polar opposites. Um, there's, there's still a few similarities though. Um, I guess what I learnt doing pageants and that sort of stuff was just trying to be confident and essentially fake it till you make it. Tell us about women in shooting too. Uh, it's very important. We've got a lot of women coming into the shooting sports now, which is absolutely fantastic, partaking in all different types of 
shooting disciplines as well. So I know thinking coming up March of 2020, there's going to be a woman's is it shooting day. Can That's you correct. Yes. More so that? in uh, in around about March, I'm not sure on the dates yet. Um, it'll be a women in shooting event uh, hosted by the Outpost in Rockhampton. It'll be their second year that they've done it. Their uh, last year was their first year that they did it, and it was a huge success. And what will they be doing? Just was it, was it rifles? Is it pistols? Shotguns? What sort of things will they be doing there? Uh, this year it's going to be a combination of all three. Last year it was just shotguns, but this year it's going to be uh, pistols, rifles, and shotguns. So they're going to hire out different ranges and uh, have different instructors on each one, just so women can test out all three disciplines. Fantastic! And if people want to. You know, they want to be like yourself. They want to go, listen, I want to get into the shooting sports. It's something I'm interested in. They don't want to just get involved necessarily in the shooting sports themselves. They go, they want to get involved in industry. Yeah, So how, how can they do that? I mean, what do they do? Do you think they need to know certain types of things? Getting Taking someone out of their win, working for a gun shop. What's your recommendation? Uh, basically do all of the above. So start working in a gun shop. Um, most gun shops that you'll work for would be more than happy to help out in any way, shape or form. Like all the shops that I've worked at, um, all the bosses have been amazing in helping me get different product experience, basically taking me under their wing. So it is definitely something that everyone wants more women to be involved in. Do you think it's something that shops, and, and not just shops, but importers are willing to train people in, in, in how to do it? If they come, you know, they've got their gun license, maybe they're in the sport, they go, I want to work for a gun shop and they come and chat with the gun shop owner, for example, there's an open, uh, do you think the gun shops are open to having people that maybe not have the experience in training them? Into Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. I mean, again, it is just like a, a regular job. It is just in sales. So as long as they have the right attitude and the ability to learn, the shops will be more than happy to teach them. Yeah, that's always good getting women into the sports. Fantastic out there hunting and shooting. But we always love a story here in AHP. So give us a bit of a personal accomplishment, maybe a hunting story, something that stands out in your mind as a, as a good day in a man's life. Yeah, all right. Um, a bit of a story. All right. Uh, probably the first time I ever went hunting. Um, was in Adelaide a few years ago, actually, well, a fair few years ago now. Um, I'd only just purchased my Browning T-Bolt 22 and put on a little uh, 2 to 7 by 33 Leopold. So it was only a little bobby one. Um, middle of winter in Adelaide on a property. Um, the farmer had a huge rabbit population. It was just an absolute pest destroying everything. So uh, going out, going to shoot my first rabbit ever was a little bit um, – not daunting, but definitely mixed emotions on how I was going to feel actually pulling the trigger. Um, so we're on the back of the U, traveling along, trying to dodge the, the wombat holes in the paddock. We uh, ended up going into one. <laughs> Oopsie. <laughs> um, but yeah, so as soon as the spotlight went onto the rabbit, heart rate went up through the roof. It was insane. Um, pulled the trigger, got a clean shot. I was ecstatic and I was really confused on why I felt that way as well. Um, went over to it. It was dead. Um, what distance was it? Was it a close one? Was oh, it? geez, it would have been close. Probably maybe 20, 30 metres. <laughs> That's all right. It's good, yeah. Um, oh, but obviously it's going to exaggerate. I should have said more like 100 metres, but <laughs> so <laughs> not believable. <laughs> 22, yeah. <laughs> no, it was definitely close. Um, yeah, going over to it. And then my partner was going to teach me how to skin it. And I was all for it until it 
went in, started gutting it, and I threw up everywhere. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah, I'm not wow. going to be embarrassed saying that. I could not handle it. I don't know if it was looking at it, the smell, what I just instantly threw up everywhere. <laughs> wow. And what was the uh, people that were around you? What was the sort of, what were they thinking? Did they say anything to you? What was the, what I'm was the... pretty sure you might have laughed at me. <laughs> but no, it was all good. So um, eventually got through that stage of not throwing up, but we did make rabbit pie out of it. So it was definitely worth it. Interesting. What, what did you think of the rabbit pies? Especially when, you know, you might see the rabbit, mm. shot the rabbit, you know, threw up, uh, yeah. seeing it being gutted and then <laughs> eating it. What was that like? Because sometimes people, I think, like the idea, you know, when they actually go hunting. And I think I was like that for a little bit for a while. Like when you hunt deer, you like the idea of caving, taking meat, mm. butchering. And then when you're actually eating it, like you're used to, I'm just used to, most people are used to, you know, lamb, chicken, beef. Yeah. And then it's more in their mind. Not that the, the game meat tastes bad, but it's just they're not used to it. You know, yeah, um, I mean, if I'm, you if you remember the taste of it, anyway, yeah, no, I'm, I'm sure. not gonna lie. For the first uh, three times that we did that, all I could taste while eating it was just the smell of the dead rabbit. Yeah, yeah, it's, yep. it's always <laughs> <But> interesting. <laughs> got through it in the end. <laughs> what about now? I mean, do you? It's a good, I guess, a segue topic there as well. I mean, if you go out, do you? When you get an opportunity, do you have game meat? Do you eat that sort of thing or not Absolutely, really? Absolutely, yeah. A lot of the time at the moment is just shooting um, pigs, so we're not we're not eating it. Um, but when there's the chance to do rabbit shooting or deer shooting, absolutely eat as much of it as you can. Yeah, so okay, tell us about if people, I guess probably more so, Queensland or northern New South Wales, that's the areas that you take care of. If people want to find out more information, do they specifically have to go to the gun shop to find out? Can they talk to you directly or how do they get in contact with your TSA? Is that possible or how does it work? Absolutely. They can, they can get in contact with me. Um, I'm pretty easy to find on social media. Anyone can ask me any questions about hunting, guns, products or how to get into the industry. Is there an email they can maybe contact you on if they need to? Or? Yeah, of course. Yeah, I'll give uh, my email. It's uh, avalance at tasco.com.au. All right, man. To finish off, we were talking a bit earlier about game cooking and rabbit pie. Apparently, you make a good one. Uh, so, I'd like to think so. <laughs> yeah. So, tell us about that before we finish off. I'd like to find out a recipe that I might be able to try. Yeah. So, pretty much from the first time I ever went shooting, I had a really good appreciation of basically field to plate. So, I try and cook as much as what I shoot. Um, so, my recipe was really, really simple. Um, the trickiest thing is getting the rabbit actually tender because a lot of people find it really gamey and just ugh, not really nice to eat. You've got to soak it for about 24 hours in salted water. Um, we lived in Adelaide, so we actually went to the beach and got a bucket of seawater and just wow. drowned it in it for 24 hours. <laughs> right, <yeah. laughs> um, so the actual process was really, really simple. You'd basically would just make the pie as if you're making chicken. So obviously the chicken's already tender, so you don't need to drown it in salt water. So you just dice it up, brown it, throw in some bacon, throw in the cream, the salt, the stock, um, and then get some puff pastry, line a pan, throw it all in with a bit of herbs and spices, put the hat on it and bake it and you're done. How does it come out? Amazing. Yeah. Even better than the chicken version? I reckon it does. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely appreciate it a lot more. Interesting. 
Amanda Valance from TSA <laughs> Outdoors, TSA Outdoors, TSA? Yes, TSA. All right, Amanda from TSA joins us here on AHP having a chat to us about her rabbit pie, mm-hmm. Miss Universe, working <laughs> for TSA, being, I guess, the first female gun salesperson yep. in Australia. So thanks yep. for joining me here. I do appreciate it. Thanks a lot and uh, having a chat to me. Thank you. Thanks for having me. You've been listening to an episode of the Australian Hunting Podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. See you next time.